Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Let me welcome in the fellas. We've got tons of good stuff to talk about. Let me first bring in Evan Hill and his mattress. Uh, you know, Evan at Evan Hill SEA and his drink. How are you doing, Evan? Cheers. It is great to be back. Um, I'm still high off the 49ers win, so I'm excited to talk some ball tonight. As am I, as am I. Uh, let's go, uh, what would that be, counterclockwise? Let's talk to Nathan Ernst at NathanE11 on Twitter. Nathan, you're a little under the weather. Yeah. Thank you for powering through. What yeah. What was the thing that actually put you over the top to, to, to battle adversity of being sick and deciding still to join this show tonight? Uh, it was uh, somebody uh, replied uh, to one of the tweets saying that you guys were going to be extra mean to me tonight. So I, I figured I, I better, you know, power through and, and show up just to see how mean you guys can be. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're going to work on that. Look, Evan's like moving things around now. He's like, Evan, you're I had to turn on the overhead lights so you guys could see my beautiful face. That's why everybody tunes into this show. Here you go. Thank God. Well, now we're going to go down from uh, Nathan to the man himself, the verified Twitter account known as Real Jeff Simmons, former media member turned graduated to podcast co-host extraordinaire, Jeff Simmons. How you doing, Jeff? I'm good, man. It's, it feels like it's been a while. Uh, Today was a great day. We're going to get into that later. And yeah, it's just been a really exciting day. Uh, the Pete Carroll of hockey got fired today. I don't even know what that means. 
The Pete Carroll equivalent in hockey got fired today. In Toronto, like he's coach. won championships at multiple levels, and yes, like- and he's kind of like lost it. It's 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 been a very exciting day. I don't know how I feel about that comparison. So we're starting this podcast you, off hot. <laughs> <laughs> we're going right to it. <laughs> um, where to start? So do you guys want to start by talking about the 49ers game? Because it's still like, it's still freaking awesome to talk about the 49ers game. Or do we want to start by talking about the news of the day? Because there was some pretty big news this, that came out today. Let's move past the Niners game. This is, you know, we're previewing Seahawks, Eagles. We got a big week coming up. I think it, I think we got to talk about today's news in, in the Eagles game coming up. All right. Well, that's actually good because um, we have got a wonderful contribution from Owen Sullivan uh, in the Super Chat uh, along those lines. Thank you, Owen, for donating. Really appreciate it. Uh, his comment is so happy that we got rid of Jamar Taylor. Guys, when I go to bed at night and I like, you know, put my hands underneath my head and dream about what a better life would be like the next day, it generally has something to do with the Seahawks nickel corner not being manned by Jamar Taylor. (laughs) I'm going to be totally honest. Like, I wish the guy well. I was positive about him during the preseason, like during training camp. I thought he was one of the better guys. He was the guy that was playing the best as a nickel corner in in training camp. He has been a dumpster fire in the regular season. Okay, so I have a very serious question. I'm going to put you on the spot, Brian. Since September 4th, 2019, who who has caused you more nightmares, Tedrick Thompson or Jamar Taylor? Oh, Who, who's God. leading in causing more restless nights? Oh, Brian God, that's household. a really good question. Who's been a bigger source of frustration, a bigger source of pain in your life? I, I got to go with recency bad. bias on this. It's got to be Jamar Taylor because really? like Tedrick is gone and he's gone for maybe forever. And he also had two picks. Um, some, one of which was like really impressive. And the other was pretty pivotal. Um, Jamar Taylor, what has he done? What has he done but caused pain and strife? Um, and like, if you look at that defense before last week, you or before the the last game, you could point at a lot of different positions that were not doing what they're supposed to do. After last week, tell me a position other than nickel corner that didn't do their jobs last time. The Seahawks played center. <laughs> Well, that was Valid. one play, dude. That was one play. He did all right. Okay, but can, can I play devil's advocate for a second? Like, what yeah. is – or maybe not – I don't know if devil's advocate is the right terminology. I'm a little wine drug. But, like, what what is the case before the Niners game for Jamar Taylor starting over Ugo Amadi? Like, if you're in Pete Carroll's or, um, you know, the, the, some DB coach's shoes, what's the case for Taylor starting over Amadi? Is it just experience? Is that – all we're going on? I mean, it, it, without seeing more of Amadi, I mean, it could be a lot of things, right? Like maybe Amadi has also looked bad in practice, right? Maybe Amadi looks, doesn't look better and doesn't know the playbook, playbook or doesn't have the experience. But it's probably just that this, these guys prefer veterans. They 
kept rolling with Tedrick because he'd been around for a while. They kept rolling with Jamar Taylor. Like they, they just, yeah, I think it's just experience. Also, what, so one of the things with Taylor, and I'm pulling him up here in PFF just to, to sanity check myself. He has gotten worse as the season has gone on. In fact, PFF had him graded fairly well the first few weeks. Yeah. And like against San Francisco and Tampa Bay, he was terrible. He was okay the two games before that, and he was awful against Cleveland too. So this is this is a guy that has gotten it's not like he came right out of the gates and was just a, a dumpster fire. He has gotten worse as the season has gone on. And that might be a factor of just teams finding him more as the season's gone on and realizing he's a weak spot. But his poor play hasn't been true the entire year. So what so I'm hearing is Pete Carroll's the entire year though, his tackling has been shit the entire year. Mm. His tackling has been so bad. And that's one of the things guys like, I think Ugo Amadi to your question, uh, Evan, I don't think Ugo, Ugo Amadi has shown that he was perfect for the position. He actually started the first game against Cincinnati. I don't know if people remember that he played 20 snaps in that game as nickel corner. He did not do very well in that game. And so I don't think that you could assume that he was just going to be way better. The thing that I always believe that Amadi was going to be better is he's a damn good tackler. You see his special teams open field. He makes tough tackles. He's a, he's instinctual that way. And I also think he showed in preseason, he's a good blitzer. Like he's a guy that, that they can send and has, it just has a feel for it. Those aren't, have we seen Jamar Taylor successfully blitz? at all this year i don't think so and so then it really is a question of like how much worse could he be at coverage than jamar taylor i i don't nathan what was uh jamar taylor's coverage grade against san francisco do you have pro football focus up 36.6 jesus good oh god actually so and looking at this uh Apparently he had one hurry. Well, we got double Jeff. Uh, <laughs> uh, he had one hurry against Baltimore. Uh, so I guess he must have done something right at least one time. Yeah. All right. Let me see if I can. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get rid of one of you, Jeff, if I can. It's not really working so far. Please. Remove <laughs> both of them. Just kidding. One is plenty. <laughs> you can cut both of me. It's not wanting to remove you. We're just going to have multiple gestures for a little while. Hopefully it'll correct itself. Do you think, do you think today's roster change implies that they might be moving out of base defensive formation? Do you guys think that's any indication or not? I know that's been a kind of a concerning defensive trend for the Seahawks, you know, leading up through the season. What were their numbers like the last two games in Nickel versus. It seems like they played more nickel the last couple of weeks. I know Tampa has a lot of three receiver, but I guess San Francisco is a team you'd probably play more to that base because that was what it was designed for. I think they've been showing signs of moving away from the base for a while. I mean, Taylor's been getting thirty percent of the snaps. You know, it's not sixty percent like they used to do, but it's at least thirty, and it used to be, you know in the single digits to start the season. So I think they've been moving away. But why do you think that Brian? Like what are the, why are are they doing it? No, no, no. Why, why do you think they're moving it, moving away from that? Like, is it just the snap percentage or, or is it a personnel difference or. I mean, I think that 
so the way that they've been, I am not the expert Maddie Brown X's and O's guy. So I, I might be over my skis on this one. But what I've observed is that the way they're trying to play base defense is they're playing zone. Like they don't expect Michael Kendricks to man up on a slot receiver. So they're doing a lot of zone um, coverage in that situation. And as a result, you've got a lot of people um, basically, uh, um, what's the word? Um, exploiting that zone with underneath like passes, like the zone has not been that tight. And the other thing you're seeing is, this is something I heard from, I don't know if it was Jeff Schwartz or one of the other offensive linemen, but he talked about the fact that them playing base defense was actually impacting their pass rush. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was linebackers on the outside, it changes the rush. Oh, I, I heard that too. For the defensive ends. And so the defensive ends weren't going as wide um, and didn't have as much freedom to do that. And so I think that's another reason where they're, they're trying to figure out ways to get the defensive ends uh, a little bit more freedom. Um, so those are, those are a couple reasons. I do want to take a chance, Evan, a great question, but we have another super chat. Um, someone uh, donated and want to make sure it's related to this stuff. Connor Golding Miles, thank you for donating. Um, he uh, says he wants to ask each of us three words to describe your reactions to Taylor being waived. You want to kick us off there, uh, Evan? Relieved, excited, and sensual. I think sensual is the final word. I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited for Ugo Amadi to get more snaps. I really am. I I, I think, um, you know, he was drafted this year in the later rounds. He was like fourth, fifth, sixth round. I I don't remember how far he fell, but – He's a player I'm excited about and really think could be a contributor long-term. I think he could be your nickel corner long-term. Um, I, I could go on a tangent about this draft class and how excited I am about them, but I think Ugo Amadi is going to end up being a long-term starter for us. Nathan, three words. Uh, optimistic. Uh, curious. And I don't know. Um, uh, go to Jeff. I'll, I'll get my third word in a minute. <laughs> Jeff, three beat, words. Three words. How do I beat Evans? Uh, okay, this is going to sound like I'm sucking out, but honestly, my first thought, which was kind of annoying, was that Brian is right. And. <laughs> Brian kept saying they were going to evaluate this during the bye week. And I kind of kept rolling my eyes and thinking like, what the hell does that matter? They're studying every week. And he kept talking about self scouting. And frankly, I kind of rolled my eyes. I'm being honest. Um, I just didn't think they were going to change it. I didn't see any evidence. They were going to change it. They kept rolling them out. And then the fact that they did the move right after the bye week, I kind of annoyed me a little bit, but I was happy with the result. But honestly, that was my first thought. In a twisted way, I don't want to sound like I'm sucking up, but he has been saying that for a while now. And I don't really get why it takes a bye week to self-scout, but I guess that's just how this coaching staff operates and turned out to be right. Well, I feel like I have to go next just because to to deaden your your nice words in that my first reaction was surprised. I expected them to potentially start moving away from Jamar Taylor. 
I did not expect them to cut Jamar Taylor this week. All right, take it all back. Like, there's so many. They've got like 75 receivers. They've got like, you know, they've got some dead weight uh, that they could be getting rid of. Um, it was surprising. So that was my first surprised, um, excited, and just. Uh, enthusiastic i just was I, like another it's a cinnamon synonym but i was just like holy shit we're gonna see anyone but jamar taylor that's what i've always wanted like so um I, I i don't know that it's gonna be great i honestly don't but at least i know it's not gonna be the same shit mm. there's potential for improvement and that's what we should be going for at this point in the year so you brought up something though that i hadn't really thought of until you said it why did they cut him? Like, I get it. He's not very good, but obviously, you know, when they brought him back, they felt he was the best three option out there. So they're, are they just betting that he won't get picked up or are they just betting that he's not actually that much better than the next guy they could go grab or, or what? Like, yeah. I think they're comfortable with their options. And the other thing that I think is relatedly a, an interesting question there, Nathan, is we're all assuming it's Ugo Amadi. Are there other options that, that like, could, like, if Ugo Amadi goes down, who is the backup nickel? Uh, Diggs can play nickel corner. We all know that, right? Yeah, it was pretty clear that he liked him at safety. And I, I... Sure, sure. But he's flexible. He's, he's is it a nickel King corner. King? Remember, Akeem King was a, like, a early preseason favorite for nickel corner. <laughs> he's not a good nickel corner. I hope that's not the backup. I mean, King could still be situationally. And in fact, you know, he got all the hype last year because of how he matched up against Kelsey. Maybe he's going to play a role this week against Ertz. Uh, So that's something that maybe to watch. But no, I don't think King is your long-term answer there. I I don't know who else it could be other than Amadi. Um, And I'm just doing like some quick checking like Perry Nickerson is the guy they traded for. I think he's on the Jaguars now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of curious. Like it's not a big deal. He was bad. So, you know, whatever, but kind of surprising now that you bring it up. I think that, that'll be my third word since I, I didn't go with one. I am a little surprised by that. Yeah. It seemed, it seemed like a little bit extreme. He uh... <laughs> was really bad the last two games though. When Mike Evans was matching up against Jamar Taylor in the slot in that Tampa game, well, that, that was one of the most. That was the Seahawks' fault for lining them up together. Yeah, that's not a Jamar Taylor problem. <laughs> no, but just watching those two go head to head was very alarming. Yeah, but again, yeah, I, uh, Ken Norton should have probably moved something around. Well, we've got another. We're gonna we're gonna we've talked about Jamar Taylor for a bit, and it, I could honestly probably talk about him for almost the, most of the pod because I'm I'm really excited about the change. <laughs> But, but uh, we've got another uh, contribution in the super chat. I um, want to thank uh, Logan McSwain. Uh, coming out of the 49ers game, fellas, everybody feels like we've gone from the pass rush is hopeless and it's the worst ever to now. Logan's question is, do you think the pass run rush will become consistent? Um, let's start with you, Jeff. What's your expectation after last game? That pass rush, Jaron Reed, one and a half sacks. Clowney was unblockable. 
even Puna Ford got in the act. Al Woods had a sack. Shaquem Griffin started playing, didn't have any pressures. But what's, what do you think this pass rush can become consistent? No, probably not. Um, Clowney played like one of the best games I've seen any football player play this year. And I think that just opened up things for everyone else. And I think it's going to be better. Like it can't be what it was the first nine games, but Hold unless up. they start getting something consistent, Darren Reed. I'm sorry. You're going to put me in the optimistic position on this defensive well, no, the line. The question wasn't if it's going to be I better. love it. Hold up. I, have, I, Evan Hill, have been the one ragging on this defensive line for 11 weeks straight, 10 weeks straight, saying how shit they are and how underperforming they have played. Are you really <laughs> going to put me in the optimistic position here? One game could really, do weird things, man. You really don't think like they're on an upward trend right now? Uh, that wasn't the question. If that was the question, I would say yes. The question was consistent. I don't think they'll be consistent. You, okay, from last week, the, okay, the first nine weeks of the NFL season never happened. From last week to the end of this year, do you think the pass rush will be consistent? No. Really? I think it'll be good at times, but I think there's going to be games where they're going to be an absolute zero. Wow. That's uh, painfully You guys blocked. disagree? I do. I really do, and I'll tell right, you good. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I, I talked about this on Twitter with Jake Heaps a, a few days ago. I really think people aren't talking about how good Puna Ford was last Monday night. Puna Ford has, had, has been struggling with injuries throughout the entire year. He's had calf issues, leg issues. He hasn't been himself. The Puna Ford we saw in 2018 has not been the Puna Ford we've seen so far in 2019, except for Monday night against the 49ers. Puna Ford dominated on Monday night. You, you talk about Clowney having a night. Puna Ford was number two. He doesn't have flashy pass rush, you know, um, sacks or anything like that because he's a run stuffer. But he 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 provided consistent, constant pressure that on Monday night. He completely shut down. Pass rush though. The, what was that? Wasn't the question about pass rush though? But but that plays into pass rush though. The there has to be pressure from the interior. He completely yeah. shuts down the run game. Um, I I think like honestly, just the combination of. Puna Ford coming back, Al, Al Woods playing well, Quinton Jefferson playing well, Jadavian Clowney being a goddamn beast. Um, and the big injury that nobody's really talking about for Sunday, Lane Johnson, right tackle for the Eagles, is still in concussion protocol. Didn't practice today. Is still in concussion protocol. Isn't Probably isn't going to start on, on Sunday at 10, 10 a.m. against the Seahawks. So, um I'm sorry, I completely cut off everything you said, no, Jeff. No, no, no. But no, no. I, I, I appreciate your view. I, I think, I, I think if, like you said, though, if the question is, are they going to be consistent? Maybe. I'm not as positive as I started out answering this question. Oh, but, but, no, no, but, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm finishing, I'm finishing the answer. Oh, but if man. they're going to be much better than they were weeks one through nine, absolutely yes. Oh, I, I agree with that. Absolutely yes. So that's my take on record. All right, let's, let's hear some other ones. I, I, look, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and I, I, I'm going to go 
a little bit out on the limb and I'm going to go way out on the limb. So you guys, you guys may not want to stand anywhere near me because you're going to, we're going to break this thing. If we get out there out together. <clears throat> One, basically most folks are saying Jadavion Clowney played the best game you're ever going to see or rare how good that game was. It was like Khalil Mack against Green Bay last year where it was just like crazy dominant. He's not going to play like that again. Take number one. I think Jadavian Clowney is going to be like that the rest of the year. I think he is going to be dominant the rest of the year. So that's, I, I think, I don't know if he's going to be exactly that level, but I think he's going to be that much of a handful the rest of the year. So that's take number one. I thought what he did was repeatable um, uh, against really Decent competition. McGlinchey and Staley are no pushovers. Take number two. Now, this one is – there's no evidence. Is batshit crazy. I'm saying it. Oh, I, I understand it. And I actually – I don't know why I believe it, but I believe it. I think that Ziggy Ansa is going to start to show up in the last – Oh, season. God. Shut down the goddamn podcast. I think I will not tolerate Ziggy Ansa optimism think, on this podcast. I think that Ziggy Ansa is going to like just when we've all given up all hope. He was benched a week ago. He was benched. And I I just have this weird feeling. The same way I had this weird feeling. There was no reason to believe the Seahawks defense or that team was going to beat the 49ers last week given how flawed that defense and special teams would be. But I felt like they were going to be – I said they were going to win 27 to 20. Um, so, <laughs> so I just have to express the feeling, dude. I have to get it out there. There's some gut feeling that whether it's because he was benched, whether it's because there's been long enough time since he was injured, whether – I don't know. There's just this feeling that all of a sudden Ziggy Ons – I don't think he's going to be, like, amazing – I have this feeling before the end of the season, not every game, not starting Sunday, but he is going to show up and be a contributor. That is my Brian, take of the night. He was just benched for Shaquem Griffin. See, actually, I was I thought you were going with some Shaquem Griffin optimism, and I was ready to be right there with you. Uh, I think what I think Shaquem showed some good stuff. I mean, he's a live body at least. Uh, <laughs> We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm not, I'm not. How far our expectations for the defense have fallen? I don't mean literally. Days. I mean he's active. He's very. How far our expectations have fallen? That's all I have to say. He's alive. He has a pulse. He has blood in his veins. Oh, my God. Better than LJ Collier. Oh, shut oh. the. F <laughs> <laughs> True. Really, you had to remind me of that pain and misery, like right oh, now. Oh, they had to say. Uh, <laughs> oh, hey, hey, oh, 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 everyone shut your mouth. Caleb Moore, thank you for donating. Ziggy flashes in the next three games. Air you want to place a bet on it? Moore, you and yeah, I. We need some You want to place a bet on it? I'll, I'll place any any amount of humiliation on it. All right. So Beyonce, so I'm not doing shit. You? What are the stakes? Let's start with the stakes. Oh. Evan, you have a great track record. Yeah. Of <laughs> As we all know, I live up to my word, uh -huh. so I can be trusted. 
what would be so what do you think what do you think would have to happen what would be surprising is it one sack in the last six games is it two oh. sacks you can get one sack dude he's no. got one sack in like 10 games so you one sack one. in six games is not like a guarantee so uh, is it two uh, sacks what did Deion jordan do the end of that one year where he had a couple sacks what are they like four sacks in five games something like that what does Deion jordan have to do with this I'm just saying, like, can he be better than Deion Jordan? I don't know. No, I'm not expecting him to be good. I'm expecting him to start contributing. So, like, to me, if he has two to two to three sacks over the next six games, that would be a big deal. The one and a half over under? One and a half over under. Does it count if the quarterback slips on water? No. Are we counting oh. that as a sack? Okay. Any sack. Okay. Would it have mattered? He only has one sack, dude. If he had slipped on water in the first 10 games, we would have all taken it. What's the most humiliating thing that could be done to me live on a podcast? Probably eat Whataburger. Actually, we no, we have a sponsor, Burger Master, the best burger in Washington State. We will not have any competing burgers on this podcast. So that's not an option. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think uh hmm. Maybe you you will uh, you, maybe you'll purchase a ticket that we'll give away uh, to a to a a reader or, or a listener, or I'll buy you a Tedra Thompson jersey. Oh my god! No, that's if I lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's if I lose. Yeah, whoever if you loses, lose, you have to wear a Tedra Thompson jersey every game the rest of the year. Oh, no way! <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this is going to be the rest of the year, so it doesn't make any sense anyway. But, um, yeah, we'll figure something out along these lines. You'd have to say something positive about Pete Carroll. I can do that right now. <laughs> Did you see Nathan's face? <laughs> he looks exceptional. Pete Carroll. Wait, can you still see me? Okay, there we go. Yeah, Pete yeah, Carroll yeah. looks exceptionally young for 68 years old. Yeah, whatever, dude. Don't, don't give me that crap. Um, so, so let's, let's shift gears. Logan McSwain, um, also donated in the, in the chat. Thank you, Logan. Uh, appreciate all the donations tonight. This is great. Um, who is the most underrated Seahawks so far? That's a good question. Of the, like the 2019 season, I'm, I'm assuming. No, of all time, Evan. <laughs> Jermaine Kearse. Oh, shut up. Don't even, good God. That puts me in a bad mood immediately. Chris Warren is on that list. John L. Williams is somewhere on the that. The 2019 list. season. That's a really good question. That is a good question. Um, it's too bad we don't do any kind of show prep ever. <laughs> this, is, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you I actually have an answer for this. He's had a lot of hype this year. I think it's Shaquille Griffin. I really do. He had a rough year last year. wasn't wasn't playing too hot. People were really down on him. People are really excited about excited about him this year. But I mean, he's playing at an all pro level. Like this defense is. I know it's hard to imagine them being worse, but they're significantly worse if Shaquille Griffin is not playing at his all pro level. So um, I know the pass rush has been a huge focus of defensive negativity and attention. But I think it's probably Shaquille Griffin. I really do. You're actually 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not a bad call. Um any of them. I I think that you're wrong though. Um and let me tell you why because I think the most underrated Seahawk this season is uh Malik Turner. Oh god. Everybody take another goddamn shot. Malik Turner again called out by Brian Nemhauser. He is a top he is the eighth ranked Seahawk on offense by Pro Football Focus. Oh god, with zero minimum snaps. So DK Metcalf is a 69.1 on offense. Oh, Leek Turner is 68.7. He has 148 snaps, smart ass. <laughs> he is nearly yeah. an elite run blocker. You oh. know what? Malik Turner converts like one third and 14 in overtime, and Brian Nemhauser loses his shit. Loses his shit. I can only imagine you. I wish I, had, I, wish I was a fly on the wall, Brian, when that moment happened. Look, dude, I, it, 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 is a, it is a burden to bear when you see the future as often as I have in training camp, and you listen to all the bullshit from all the people, including folks on this very pod, about – Who's going to make the squad? Who's good and who's not? John or Sua? John or Sua? He's the best. Uh, who's the big, big fuck that, that didn't even make the team? That everybody was on his job. Okay. Oh, uh, um. Jazz Ferguson. Jazz Ferguson. The guy's like, where is he? Is he even in the league? I uh, was told by some, like, Seahawks draft experts that he was better than DK Metcalf. Well, so – uh, anyway, this comes from deep-seated, like, time in, time on the berm, watching these guys play. And Malik Turner is a freaking baller. He is not a Pro Bowl receiver. I'm not going to go David Moore, where I clearly was off. I don't get him all right. I don't get him. I'm not saying I'm wrong about David Moore about being good, because he's not that bad. But he's not as great as I said last year. But Malik Turner, that guy has made the most of every single chance he's got. So... I think as far as if you want to go really underrated, that guy's on the list. I, I'm I'm with you a little bit on that one. I, I, I like Turner. Oh yeah, Jesus! I feel like it's this is a, it's a tough one to kind of go with because he's just such a low level player, like you know, catching one ball every couple games. But uh, so so I want to hold up Nathan Bryan, Malik Turner. Has nine receptions on the year. They're beautiful. Nine receptions. Nine great receptions. Nine receptions. Nine more receptions than Evan Hill has on the 2019 NFL season. Is he really your most underrated player on the Seahawks? I think he. I think he is. I think clearly from this conversation, he is underrated. Is he the most underrated? I probably wouldn't go there, but I do agree he's underrated. I think he's more talented than people make you realize. So you think he's like a top three starting receiver in the NFL? No, come on. Who's saying that? You, you, you go with the nine receptions. That is such a slanted way to tell the story. How many targets does he have? 11. <laughs> you want to do the math for me on what his catch rate is? And what's his average, what's his average catch? He hasn't been catching three-yard passes and swings. What's his average catch? Per Brian, week? it's 17 yards on a ridiculously small sample yards size. Per reception. <laughs> oh, no, it is 17. You're right. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. 
So tell me, tell me who's better on the Seahawks in terms of yards per reception. Oh God. I, that's not an answer, dude. Brian, this small, this sample size is like minuscule. You're Don't both get me right started here. on what's minuscule on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're both, you're both right here. Like, it, he is, like it's been very small sample. He is like the fourth or fifth receiver on the team. He is probably also underrated because he's actually fairly talented. He's an okay player. Uh, Look at Nathan. I who my actual underrated person was. Yeah, so who's your underrated? You, you said, are you agreeing with Malik or do you have a better answer? No, I forgot. So, <laughs> that's, that's... Jeff? It's actually a hard one because the Seahawks kind of have, well, at least for the first nine games, have had like a real big gap between people who are playing well and that's the obvious guys and people who aren't playing well. And there's no real, a lot, a lot of under the radar performances like Shaq Griffin's playing better than maybe he gets credit for it. But we've talked about him a lot. Like there hasn't been a lot of highlights in the, on the team. So I guess Al Woods. That's who oh, I was thinking. I love yeah. that one. Yeah. That's uh, a great one. Like he doesn't Actually, do the most, he doesn't do the most important skill well, which is pass rushing. He's a run stuffer. He was got, to fill a big role with Jaron Reed missing the first six games, but he's played his role very well. He showed, he got a sack last game. He's a good rotational player for what they want to do. I don't see many other answers. Like, I guess we can still underrate maybe how good DK Metcalf's season is just in the context of a rookie. Let me chip in real quick. Somebody had a really good comment in the chat. Jacob Hollister. Is he underrated? Is he underrated? I, I don't think, he's I, I think so. No, you ask any NFL fan who Jacob Hollister is, nobody has any clue. Well, that's not what they're – I don't know. I, I hear – I mean, if you're asking Jeff who's, you know, like, who's underrated, then sure, Jacob Hollister goes in the mix. I admit I was wrong, by the way. <laughs> no, I just like hassling you. Uh, I No, because I think he's done a good job in his two games or three games, and he's getting credit for it. Like, he's getting picked up in fantasy pools. I saw someone else had a good one in chat, which is Quentin Jefferson. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. He he had he was getting a lot of attention earlier, and I feel like that's waned. Um, so maybe he's one that's now kind of under the radar. I don't know. These questions are especially hard when you pay really close attention to the team because, like, maybe Shaquille Griffin is underrated if you're talking about it from like a league-wide perspective because he has been playing very well. And I don't know that, you know, if you, the same thing, right. Is if you talk to a bears fan about Shaquille Griffin, do they even know who he is? Probably not. You know, I mean, so yeah, this, that, this is a tough question. So we'll move on, but only after I make sure it's clear that Malik Turner is tied for first place among wide receivers on the Seahawks in yards per catch with DK Metcalf at 17 yards and is number one on the team in catch rate. So moving on, um, Let's talk about this Eagles game. Let's talk about this Eagles game. Um, look, guys, I think that this game, man, I'll probably say this every game the rest of the year, and I'll be annoying about it. I feel like this game sets up the rest of the year. They beat the 49ers. They played above the level that they've been playing. This game to me is coming out of the bye week. Can they sustain it? Do they look like that team? Does that defense look like that defense? Or are we like, oh, God chasing the dragon the rest of the year. Why can't they play defense the way they played it that one night? Um, and, 
you know, this, this team just is destined to not be that great because they don't have a lot of room left. If they really want to do something interesting, like number two, number one seed, they got to win five of six, six of six, something along those lines. And these aren't easy games. This one, this one's winnable. This one's winnable. The Eagles are tough, but they're not, they're not great. So Jeff, start with you. When you look at this game, what do you see? Uh, I'm actually really optimistic about this game and it probably might be the only game left on the schedule. I will feel this. I feel like the Eagles, how they match up with the Seahawks really plays to their strengths. Um, I don't know how much I got a chance to watch the full Eagles Patriots game last week. And the Eagle, and you've seen this a lot on Twitter this week, the Eagles are really like from a skill position standpoint, they're really slow on offense. Like their wide receivers are not very good. Deshaun Jackson's out. Alshon Jeffrey's out. Like their writers are complaining they didn't draft DK Metcalf or wave put in a claim for Josh Gordon. They're they're not getting a lot out of their wide receivers. That they don't really have a like, go-to running game right now. And if Lane Johnson's out against Clowney and Russell Wilson against a secondary that hasn't been very good, I think that the two areas where the Seahawks kind of struggle, I think this really plays into their strength because Clowney, if he's going up against a backup right tackle and these wide receivers do not scare me at all. The running game doesn't scare me. And I think Russell could do really well against their secondary. He's, he plays well against Philly as historically. So I really am optimistic about this game. Maybe I'll be wrong about that. Cause usually when I expect the worst, they play well, but I think this game really does match up for them just from a pure matchup standpoint. I think this looks really good for them. Nathan, where, where, where are you on this game? Uh, what are your expectations? What are you What are you gonna be looking at um, as a Seahawks fan going into this game? I mean, the big thing is the defense and to see like you know if they can replicate the performance. Uh, also, be pretty curious to see how Russell rebounds. Uh, he didn't have his best game against the Niners, but also that's a very good defense. It's kind of understandable. Um, this Eagles team, though, they're like they're a pretty good team. I mean, they're five and five. They're a little bit like the Cowboys, where they're flying under the radar because their record is not particularly good, but you know, football outsiders, outsiders have them the 10th best team. They're like the, let's see here, the 11th best offense and the 6th best, best defense. So they're, they're, wow. they're really balanced. Wow, that's surprising. Um, yeah. So uh, this is, you know, and then you go on the road, which hasn't been a problem for this year, but I don't know that we should just assume that this is some bizarro team that plays well on the road and probably at home. So um I don't know. I think it's a good test. I don't feel great about it. I think that this is a game that's very, you know, going on the road against a, a solid team like this. I think it's a very easy one to lose. So, uh, but the big thing will just be seeing if that defense can continue the performance. Evan, you talked about Lane Johnson's injury. You've got uh, Nelson Aguilar, who's been one of the worst receivers in the league, um, did not practice today. You've got Alshon Jeffrey, who missed last game, is definitely their best receiver. He is limited in practice today. There's questions about him. Um, they've got real challenges at receiver. And holy crap, I don't know if any of you guys are reading the stories that Philadelphia media is writing about Carson Wentz, but they are not very nice. These are harsh words. So um, what's your, what's your take on this game? What are you going to be looking for? This is the most confident Seahawks game I've been um, confident in throughout this entire season. I, I, I actually think um, 
what Jeff said about blowing them out and not about blowing them out, but, but about matching up with them is extremely correct. They have extremely bad receivers. Nelson Aguilar is literally the worst ranked receiver in the NFL. Um, Lane Johnson, as soon as he went out last Sunday against the Patriots, their offense, it was something ridiculous. Only moved the ball like 50 yards the rest of the game. It was something wild. Like their offense completely shut down the second Lane Johnson uh, left the game. If Lane Johnson is still in concussion protocol and cannot play Sunday, I could see the Seahawks blowing them out. I really could. And I haven't been super optimistic about the Seahawks this year, um, but I expect Russell Wilson to return to MVP form on Sunday. And, you know, if the defense can sustain any sort of pass rush life, like we saw on last Monday night, this game could get kind of ugly pretty quick. I really do believe that. If you've, I don't know if you, any of you guys have been following like Philly sports writers or, or beat reporters, but they are nervous as hell for this game. And they are 100% convinced they are losing this game. Um, there's a lot of turmoil going on in Philly right now. They don't, they don't believe Carson Wentz has lived up to his contract, even though they're only, you know, 10, 11 games into that contract. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of holes on that roster and they're just not performing, I think up to expectations. So it's probably not the answer you expected to hear, but I, I really do believe if there's a blowout candidate for the rest of the year, it's this Eagles team. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, we're just a couple of weeks removed from this, this defense making Matt Schaub look really, really good. Jameis Winston look really, really good. Right. Like it's all about whether that, what defense we get. And if we get the same defense that gave up 400 yards to Carson Wentz, then I think that the Philly beat writers are going to be real happy after, you know, this, this week. So it's, it's tough for me to say one way or the other, I, I can see them really struggling. They've shown that, right. This could be a shootout. I could see it going like the same way that Niners game did. Uh, I, it's weird to be this far into the season and not have a great feel for your yeah. team. Yeah. But, but that Monday night game kind of threw a wrench into what I am now expecting week to week. It's so true, Nathan. And, and I think you look at, I mean, the Eagles have some, there's some crazy numbers with the Eagles. So first of all, the receiver situation is really bad. I think they're all the receivers combined have are around a thousand yards. Like they're, if not 32nd in the league in terms of receiver yards, they're like 31st or 30th. They're like really low. Um, you look at the, the pro football focus grades for the receivers. It is not good. Alshon Jeffrey, I think is the only one that's over like a 60 grade. All their other receivers are like 50 or lower, um, which is really, really not good. Um, I think one of the interesting storylines I'm kind of curious about is, uh, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf's a guy that's been coming on strong the last few weeks, even though he had a fumble, he still like had it in a pretty amazing play. Um, and uh, our Sega Whiteside, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, was picked like seven picks in front of Metcalf or something like that. Metcalf knows the exact number of receivers that were picked before him. I've heard him talk about it before. I am curious if he's got this game circled as another one to prove to a team that they were wrong um, to, to pass on him. But anyway, their, their receivers are, are not good. Their tight ends are not bad. So you've got Ertz and you've got Dallas Goddard, um, both of whom who can be decent um, weapons. And that's going to be interesting to see how the Seahawks defend that, right? Like, um, 
didn't really have to, they didn't have to worry about George Kittle last time, so they didn't have to play him. Um, does this defense, does Quandre Diggs play a role in that? Does Ugo Amadi or the linebackers play a role in that? Like, that's a, something to be curious about. I think this Eagles defense is underrated. So I think, Jeff, you've talked about watching a lot of these Eagles games and their secondary having a lot of flaws and a lot of, like, broken coverages. Um, they've had as many as three cornerbacks out during the year. They now have back um, their starters in Jalen Mills, and they've got um, – who's the guy opposite of him? Um, it's not Sidney Jones, but but the other guy. Oh, uh, Ronald Darby, I think it is, uh-huh. right? Um, and they've got Fletcher Cox still in the middle, and they've got Timmy Jernigan, and they've got Brandon Graham. Like, they've got some talent. So, and that defense held down the Patriots to 10 points other than a Julian Edelman touchdown pass on a like trick play. So I don't know. I think this defense, defense is respectable and I'm kind of, I'm with you, Nathan, that, that uh, until I see it consistently is Carson Wentz good enough to eviscerate this defense if it's the defense from the first nine games of the season hell yeah he's plenty good enough to eviscerate this defense so mm-hmm. defense has to be better yeah for the record i don't think the game is going to be a blowout i think it, it's a seahawks game it'll be close um but i just think the thing the area the seahawks stand out is quite they're, they're just the eagles are a really slow team if you watch them play they don't have any team speed on offense yeah and you saw that go around a lot this week like not from like hot take guys it's like daniel jeremiah and, and you're the receivers and i think that's an area where losing a guy like jamar taylor and putting speed on the field and that's kind of one of the weird areas where you look at bobby and kj they struggle with that because they're not the seahawks defense it's kind of a slow defense when they had those three older linebackers and trey flowers isn't the fastest guy in the world and but so i think I think on the optimistic side, just having Diggs back is really the area and not Jamar Taylor. And I think that's where you can see the optimist. But if the pass rush can't get going again, and other than Lane Johnson, the Eagles have a really good offensive line. Like Brandon Brooks is probably the best guard in the league. Fletcher Cox, you mentioned on the defensive line. I think he's going to give the Seahawks trouble. So I think there are a lot of areas where the Eagles do stand out. I just think the Seahawks, like if you look at the matchup at receiver, they probably have three receivers that would be their number one receiver. And four, if you count Malik Turner, I guess. <laughs> All right, Jeff, now you're talking my language. So uh, as we're kind of at the tail end here, I do want to ask, you mentioned receivers, Josh Gordon. Um, the guy had two catches. He got our attention in that 49ers game. He kind of like wet our appetite. What do you guys think is a realist? What are you expecting in terms of really his first full game of integration into the offense? Um What's, what's a reasonable expectation? Nathan, you want to kick us off on that? Um, I'm still – I was overly cautious with the Niners game. I'm still there, though. I think that we'll probably continue to see him used in that kind of a way. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't – I don't know that there's a big need to kind of rush him into a, a big workload. This isn't a team that's going to try to pass a ton anyways. So, um I think that you'll see something similar to last week. Maybe he'll get a little more run. Maybe he'll have a little bit more opportunity against the defense that's not quite as good. Um, but I'm still not getting my hopes up for any 
anything huge. I mean, but but saying that, he had two huge plays, right? It was only two plays, but they were massive. So I, I can see something like that happening again. I don't know that you're going to see, you know, six catches for 100 yards or whatever. All right. So, so Evan, Evan, what is more likely on Sunday? That Josh Gordon goes for over 100 yards and at least a touchdown or that he has one catch or fewer? Probably the latter. Ugh. I really do feel that. I, I really do feel that. I think Russell has such a good connection, even with Lockett returning from the injury. Um, DK Metcalf. I just don't – I think that's a little quick to say, like, in his second game – or not to say, but to predict that he'd have 100 yards and, and um, a touchdown plus. I, I could see – and I'll tell you why. This team, if the way I think Sunday is going to unfold the way I think it's going to unfold – this team is going to get up like 14 to zero. Okay. And then they are going to run the damn ball <laughs> the rest of the game. Josh Gordon's not going to get the targets to reach that threshold. So that's my thinking behind the no answer, basically. Jeff, you have any different feelings about what to expect from Mr. Gordon on Sunday? I think Evans is the logical answer. Just the way the Seahawks are, that's probably, but I'm going to go with the fun one. I'll, I'll go the optimistic one. I think Josh Gordon's going to hit a deep, deep bomb for a touchdown this game. Um, I, I don't know. There's just, I know he probably will play just probably end up with like three catches for 36 yards or something like that. But I don't know. Just something watching him on those third downs. He just looked very natural. And I think they can hit him on one of those. They're using David Moore on those like jump balls down the sideline or jump balls in the end zone, which I particularly hated to watch earlier this year. So if you can do one of those for Gordon, who's actually a much better athlete than David Morris and a much more polished receiver. I think, I think if you hit one of those, it's not out of the question. Can we also stop throwing those to DK? He's, he's not good. Yes. At- he yes. is not very good at those. I mean, in fairness to DK, they're not easy plays. Like they're the, they're, they're 50, 50 balls. So, you know, he's not going to catch a whole bunch of them. Like, uh, I think, <laughs> I don't know. He had that amazing play against, Tampa, right, where he got face masked in the process of catching that, but that's not something he's going to do every play, and hopefully they kind of wise up to that. You know what's interesting, though, Nathan, is there hasn't been a lot, other than the first game of the season, there haven't been a lot of high-point plays for DK, where it's like he had equal opportunity to jump up and try to catch a ball from a defender. There have been a lot of back shoulder that haven't always been well-placed, I agree with you that my assessment has been that he's not great at those kind of contested catches, but like golden Tate, they used to throw these like high arching passes and he would at five foot 10 out jump other guys and high point it. I'm been a little surprised that we haven't seen those kind of plays and maybe some of that's on DK. Maybe he's running the routes in a way that's not giving him a chance to, to have those opportunities, but it's been, it's, it, I guess I just haven't seen those from him. And I wonder if he'd be better if he had some of those chances. Um, yeah, possible. So, um, all right. We're, we're at the tail end here. Uh, who is picking the Seahawks to win this game? Uh, Nathan, I'm going to start with you. I'm not. Uh, we didn't talk about it, but Evan, you were saying it's expected to rain on sunday in philly correct this is getting really frustrating for me it's 
a big pet peeve with me with Russ right now. Like, I get it, the rain makes it harder, but like, he's got to be a little bit better. He can't be so Jekyll and Hyde when it rains like this. Uh, and I just think that Philly's a good team. So I'm going to go something like 28 24 Philly. Yeah. All right, dude. Um, by the way, by the way, I'm looking at the forecast and it says that there is a 12% chance of rain. 12, huh? 12 really? Chance. Special number right there. Yes. Are you, are you sure? Dude, you're going to make, I'm going to share my desktop because that's just because it's possible. I could do it. Um, God dang it. I can't figure out how to do it. <laughs> Sunday precipitation, 40%. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, but that's over I'm looking at hour by hour. Oh, nerd. I'm yeah. just looking at the day. Yeah, by at 3 a.m., it's 92% chance of rain. 9 a.m., it's 43% chance. They're not, the game's not at 10 a.m. their time, buddy. So oh, we, so God truly does favor Russell Wilson. This is awesome. I'm excited about this. So rain's going to stop before the game starts. All right. But so Nathan's already on record. He, he uh, does not believe in Russell Wilson um, and uh, he's going 23. Yep. Jeff, where are you at on this game? I, I think the Seahawks win this game. Um, I do agree that Philadelphia is a good team. I just think that as I've said multiple times already. I think the Seahawks strengths match very well. If Lane Johnson, especially if he's it, he might be the best right tackle in the whole league. So I think the Seahawks win 27 to 17. Evan? 28 to 10. Sort of close to Jeff's prediction a little bit. Uh, I could see the Seahawks. I don't know if that counts. 18 points counts as a blowout, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 28 to 10. Carson, and you know what? Carson Wentz struggles big time in this game. Throws three interceptions. Yeah, I um there's been Philadelphia in Philadelphia has treated the Seahawks pretty well over the years. Um there's been a number of some of the Seahawks biggest blowouts have happened in that city. Um generally in prime time, so we're not getting the prime time game that we were supposed to get, but um I'm feeling good tonight. I'm feeling optimistic. I I, I think that the Seahawks are going to I think Russell Wilson's going to reassert his MVP candidacy. We did not talk about that much tonight, but I do think he's behind um, Lamar Jackson in that race. Whether or not I believe that's the right answer, I do believe that's the case. And I think Russell's got to really pile up some stats and pile up some wins in, in high visibility media areas like Philadelphia. So um, I love what he's got going on with Tyler Lockett healthy with Josh Gordon playing more fully with DK Metcalf. Um, I like what we've got going on with J.D. and Clowney on the defensive side right now. I think the Seahawks are going to win. I want to say 34 to 15 is the number that keeps coming in my mind. That's a crazy number, but what do I have to lose? Um, so that's, that's what, that's where I am. Um, and uh, with that, uh, we'll wrap for tonight. This has been uh, fun. I could I could talk more with all of you for a long time, but we'll let you all go. Um, please, if you haven't already, please sign up over at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Subscribe to the, to the pod on YouTube. 
um, you know, cheer for another win if for no other reason that we can hassle Cable Thanos, get Josh to make another video. Uh, and uh, I, I do have to ask you guys, favorite character from Josh's video this week? Favorite part? Oh, it's Puna. I was going to say Puna Ford. <laughs> As Rocket. He was Rocket, right? Yeah. Yeah. That or uh, Trey Flowers as, um, what was it, Groot? I think, I think it was. <laughs> Baby Groot. Uh, somebody asked him if he made Groot, who is a plant, Trey Flowers, because flowers are a plant. Ooh. <laughs> uh, the answer was no. I just thought of him when I saw Groot. <laughs> it was a complete, actually... there was nothing there. The person had put way more thought into it than yeah. Josh. No, no, no. I actually get what Josh was thinking. When I see Groot, I see a super skinny body. And for some reason, I associate Trey Flowers, like, physique with Groot. Dude, even, even that much thought is beyond what Josh put into it. He basically <laughs> uh, no, the body is fat Thor. Up at that point in the video, and I just put his name on there. Like, he put no thought into it at all. What uh, about Bobby as fat Thor? <laughs> <laughs> that, that one hurts. I, I thought that was pretty good, man. <laughs> he said he didn't put any forethought into these, but uh, I don't know. That one was rough. That was rough. That was rough. Um, oh, there was one other, though. That made me, I mean, all I know is Mina Kimes and I both were on the Jason Myers one. Uh, that, that, <laughs> that was laugh out loud funny uh, when he came into Spider Man. Um, all right. Uh, thank you all. This is going to be a fun um, Sunday. As of now, I think we are on for a post-game pod uh, for Sunday. We'll see how that all goes, obviously. Um, but big week. Uh, every game matters from here on out. This Seahawks team, if they play like they did, if it's the same team we saw against the 49ers, we've got a fun freaking ride for the rest of this year. Um, a lot of interesting things. We might be seeing you guys in Miami. It's not out of the question. So uh, talk to you soon. Go Hawks and uh, have a good day.